Welcome, good person. This is the Nerdist Podcast number 724. What you got on the community cork? I should stick with one jingle for the cork where <laughs> there, just, there isn't one. I like the different ones. That's Nerdist Community Corkboard. Well, if there are any fantasy football fans uh, that listen to this podcast as well, uh, this guy didn't write in his name, but he and his friend have a podcast called Fantasy 30, and it's a podcast to help you set your lineup and make the best decisions coaching your fantasy team. And you can find it at Fantasy30.com. Oh, well done. Yeah, which are I'm you, a fantasy football you're, you're in the fantasy sports? I am. I'm, I'm drafting next week, I think. Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. And are you, is this something that you think about late at night? Like, who do I pick? And I do, do I? mock drafts. I'm really into it. <laughs> I go in there and I... I is Anthony into this stuff? No, Your no, boyfriend? No, no. He's not, not into at it all. all. Yeah. He does not give a shit. Now, on Sundays, are you yelling at the TV with football and he's like, why don't we talk more? Um, I usually go out to watch football. I go to a bar because uh, Scout gets very upset <laughs> when I watch football, especially with the Niners, and I'm like screaming. So as, and as, she gets as an really mercy, afraid. Yeah. You don't watch football in front of your yeah. dog, who is the chillest dog yeah. in the world. She like gets so nervous, and like sometimes he'll be in the other room, and she'll come in the other room and like try to hide under him. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, there is something that I want to promote about at midnight, which is we're about to go on. Uh, we're on hiatus right now. We're on hiatus. Uh, we are back the day after Labor Day, and we are being moved to eleven o'clock. Um, in the Daily Show slot for two weeks oh. uh, before Trevor takes over. Oh, awesome. So at midnight, we'll be at 11 o'clock. Don't do the math on it. I know that it's not Change called the at name 11. Of the show. No, we're not changing the name of the show. How at dare you? At 11. No, it's, we're just only for two weeks. All right. Uh, so please uh, please watch us at 11 o'clock for a couple weeks. I'm very excited. We're almost like we get to sit at the big kids' table for a couple <laughs> yeah. weeks, and then we'll go back to the kids' table, which I'm totally fine with. Um, this episode is Oscar Isaac, who... I'm pretty sure you probably know who Oscar Isaac is if you saw Ex Machina, uh, but he's he is a guy. Oscar is going to be winning Oscars. He is a guy <laughs> that is going to he 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 may be one of the finest actors of our generation. He's so good, he's so good and intense, intense, but but not like a rah rah intense kind of guy. He's just he's got it. Whatever that yeah. thing is that you're supposed to have, that he's got quiet it. intensity. That quiet intensity yeah. and also. You know he's in a he's in a he plays Apocalypse and Next Apocalypse and he's uh, uh he's in a, a movie called Star Wars: The Force oh, that Awakens. Indie film, yeah, yeah, that little indie upstart film that uh, he's <laughs> uh, he's in helping. I hope you know hope it works for those kids. You know I hope people go see that movie. Uh, I'm very excited though, and he was great on the podcast. He's now promoting a show called Show Me a Hero on HBO. Two episodes air every Sunday on HBO, or you can just watch it on HBO Go and HBO Now. It's so good. I've been watching Oh, you have? Yeah. Excellent. So this is Oscar Isaac. This episode also brought to you by Tales of the Borderlands, episode four, which I'm, I, I'm in Tales of the Borderlands. I'm in a thing that, we're, uh, that is sponsoring the podcast. Which is exciting. I play a character called Vaughn. Uh, episode four is now. Uh, you can get episodes one through four of Tales from the Borderlands. You got it on Xbox 360, Xbox One, PS3, 4, PC, Mac, iOS, Android. Uh, any Everywhere. Pla- yeah. Well, how many more platforms do you need to play Tales from the Borderlands? <laughs> but uh, the reviews have been great, which makes me very happy because I don't want to piss off the gaming community <laughs> by doing a lousy job in a game that they're playing. You want to do more. I want to do. I want to do. Go- I want to oh, do good. Yeah. I want to do good. So Tales from the Borderlands, uh, episode four right now. Episode five is coming out in the fall. And uh, there you go. Here's another podcast, number 724 with Oscar Isaac. Now entering Nerdist.com.
Did your day just start? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, my day, I guess, ended at 4.30 this morning. And then, <sighs> yeah. And then, yeah. This, this is the next thing after waking up. Oh, my God. Well, you look great. Thanks. You don't seem like you went to bed at 4.30 in the morning. Thank you. I did scrape my nose pretending to be firing a, a fake gun so that... You know, yeah, I think fun. I think a lot of times it's I think it's good for an actor to get stuff like that because it really sort of feels like yeah I fucking I earned this <laughs> yeah. like, I did I did it I'm doing shit <laughs> yeah the laser did that to my nose <laughs> the real. way a laser would yeah the shit's real man you don't know what it's like <laughs> sort of, shoot laser beams yeah man what'd you do today <laughs> yeah that's what I thought oh you. You built a road or you put a school together? All right. Uh, okay, fine, but lasers. I mean, you're like everything that's going on for you right now, this is such an incredible moment. This is so I it's I always love seeing people kind of start to tip into I mean, I don't know if you see it that way, but you do know that you're in an X-Men movie and a Star Wars movie and uh Which I'm aware of that. I mean, I'm sure that has crossed your mind at least once <laughs> yeah. or twice. But I'm always interested, especially with someone, because I know you went to Juilliard. I did. As an actor, kind of dealing with the film business or dealing with the – do they teach you anything about film acting in at Juilliard? Or? Uh, we had – I think we had like five sessions with uh, uh, a teacher that was teaching us film, mm-hmm. Andre Belgrader, who was a Serbian guy who would smoke – actually smoke a cigarette with a cigarette holder and he was bald. And they Roma- still have those? Romanian. And he'd just put a camera on us, and he'd be like, eh, just think fish. And we're like, what? And he's like, just think of your favorite fish. Like, that's how you, uh, that's how you act for film. You know, you think about maybe your favorite fish to eat or swimming fish. Uh, that was his, uh, that, that, so that's what we learned at Juilliard as far as film acting. So now whenever – I just – I would like to pretend now that every time I see a movie, I'm like, I wonder what fish what Oscar's kind of fish? thinking of That's right totally now. salmon. That's I can a see salmon. That salmon. Might be a, that might be a perch. <laughs> I think I saw a little bit of perch. I guess it has something to do with the mind at work, you right. know, which is that, – that's what, you know, a camera likes to capture is a mind working regardless of what it's working on. Sure, because you're so – you're so much under a microscope when you're film acting that – I think sometimes you can see when someone's trying to put the acting on their face. Yeah, yeah. And it's not it's not in their head. Or uh, I think also it's you know acting. I think acting in general, but particularly for film, is more expressive than communicative. So sure. when you're trying to communicate an idea, you kind of see it and you resent it as a viewer, right. even unconsciously, you know. And then when someone is actually just expressing whatever is inside of them without real worry about how it's coming out. That's a little bit more compelling to watch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I almost kind of now that there's now that there's so much pajama acting because of like because of effects and green screen. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, pantless acting. <laughs> 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 All right, I guess I'm in wardrobe now. I'm in this uh, weird green jumpsuit. And yeah. like, I mean, it, it's. I just feel like. It seems like with film, there's so many other weird things that you have to sort of get around. Yeah. To put yourself in a moment. Yeah, where you're. Yeah, I think that's actually the danger with some of that green screen stuff is that you're like, I have to communicate that there's a <laughs> a laser beam and a beast that's coming at me or right. a ship or there's all this stuff. And that's, I guess, what, when maybe that's why it's so difficult because it becomes a little bit stilted and it's hard to be expressive in that, you know, and just be like, hey, whatever happens, happens. You yeah. Know? So broad strokes, what's the story of Force Awakens? Start to finish. And then how does the movie end? <laughs> 
Um, there's lots of stars. What? There's Are a, there wars? There is. A, there's a couple wars. Does is there a force that maybe is asleep and then it's like, oh, it's time to get up? Does there yeah, a force yeah, that wakes yeah. up? Yeah, There's coffee and a bagel. <laughs> <laughs> it's. I think everything that. First of all, that the panel was incredible. Yeah, that was very cool. It was both, both of those things were. It was neat that we, we did both of those together. Unbelievable. And I didn't. I, I was so. First of all, it was it was great to see how emotional people were in the audience to see because obviously, you know, I mean, I'm sure you had the same experience that we all had. It's a Star Wars is a very meaningful thing to yeah. so to so many of us, and you know, we're sort of in a culture where. Uh, things get uh, rebooted, not rebooted, but re, but retooled and re, and done done again, or stories get extended, and they're not always amazing. So people have been burned, and so they just want to make sure that you know. I mean, you like, sound incredibly cynical. <laughs> I'm speaking on behalf of the audience. I personally, as soon as Force Awakens was announced, people were like, "What do you think is going to be any good?" I said, first of all, I'll decide when I see it." Yeah. And second of all, if we have the opportunity to have an expanded Star Wars universe so that we can tell new stories and we can look at different characters. I mean, the Star Wars universe is so expansive. Then why wouldn't I want that? Of Mm -hmm. course I would want that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean – I mean, I understand it too. I understand, you know, and, and it's good. It's good to, to scrutinize everything. It shouldn't just be like, oh, but because it's something that I grew up with, or or uh, or because it's something that that at one point was a great movie, uh, that we should just give it a pass. So so I, I do I do get that, and also. Look, I wouldn't blame you or blame people for being a little cynical because, you know, a lot of stuff is done for maybe not the best of reasons, you know, solely monetarily monetary reasons or to, to not lose a property or exactly. whatever. Exactly. Uh, I'm <clears throat> but, um, but, but that being said, it, it, it still, it's still amazing when that stuff comes out and just the possibility, you know, it's, it's the, the excitement of the possibility of something being great and, and, and in this particular situation, JJ is so enthusiastic yes. and such a rabid fan, and is coming from all of the right places. I mean, he, he he's like the classic kind of like you know what you want Caesar to you know the whole thing with Caesar, <laughs> where it's like no, he he has to refuse the crown, he refuses the crown, and then he takes it up. They're like that's the god we want, the one that doesn't want to be. Yes, you know, and so he it was like that. You know, he he didn't want to do, he wasn't sure, and then once he once he. You know, found his way in, and, and you know it. It uh, it's everything that I think that uh, we, as as a Star Wars Star Wars fan myself would want it to be. Yeah, I mean, all the stuff that he has been seeding all along with with Instagram and the Omaze videos and everything, and and also letting people know like it's not all CG. There's yeah. some really cool, you know, and and getting to even in the rehearsal before we did the panel the night before we had a rehearsal. And he was so wonderful and so funny, and and Kathleen Kennedy was there, and she was amazing, and and there there was this is not just a hey let's just make Star Wars because we can. They yeah. are so in, emotionally invested in it, and so it's so important that and I and I think in that panel people really really felt that 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 piece that he showed the behind the scenes piece was was it was stunning. I mean, yeah, it was just beautiful. I mean, even something like that has so much heart in it. Uh, and and you see you see where it's coming from, and you feel it on on screen as well. And, and even that, even the whole like it's practical, you know, so many practical effects versus CG. That's not a gimmick, you know. That's uh, that's for a real reason. It's not about just bragging rights or whatever. That's because <clears throat> it's about connecting to something real, and it's uh, and it's about uh, um, 
feel. You know, it's about the the stuff that's uh, it, the intangible qualities that make sure. you fall in love with something. Yeah, and make uh, people that are on set commit to it fully. You know, to be like, there's a real X winger and there's plenty of Falcon, <laughs> and that enthusiasm bleeds through. You know, even if even if you can't tell, even if it's not, a, you know, it's it's not so much about you know because one is so much better looking, or you know, it, it's it's less about that. It's really about um, you know what what the creative aspects of making a film and putting something together and telling a story with a, a lot of heart. Do you have a process for when you first start working with a director of, you know, cause obviously I'm sure there are moments where you're trying to feel each other out. Okay. I want to see how you work. I'm going to see how we work together, how this is going to, mm. I mean, do you, do you kind of have your own sort of subtle interview process with a director where you, tr- you try to... I just steamroll them you know, <laughs> with I got pure this, talent. I got this, Cohens. <laughs> I know what I'm doing. <laughs> just sit back. Sit back, Cohens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my, my character's name's in the title. I think I... I think I... I got this. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. I mean, or, or is there... You know, do you, do you kind of have to get some of your... Do you have any fanboyism in you that's like, oh my god, it's Cone Brothers, or it's you know, it's it? Do you do you are you able to get around that, or when you get on the set, are you just like, nope, this is work, and I, I know how to do this? No, that's the that's the inner struggle the entire time. It's the battle between between I'm I'm supposed to be here, and and what the fuck am I doing here? This is crazy. I, they're gonna see that I'm a fraud. They're gonna how did I even get into this room? You know, so that's the constant battle of trying to to have ownership over what you're doing and also the uncertainty of it and so that's that's why it's that's why it's kind of an extreme sport yeah. <laughs> you know because you're you're just throwing yourself out there uh and purposefully in some ways humiliating yourself and getting it wrong on purpose to free yourself up to to just be alive you know and so that's a very it, it can be a very humiliating process yeah especially because you know especially with the cones you don't it, it seems like there, there must have been points throughout their career, especially when you look at movies that are much more caricatures, like uh, Hudsucker or Raising Arizona. We're heightened, I, right? We're They're so heightened. Right? I wonder if the, the actors are like, you want us to do what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, you know, just talk like this for a while. I promise, you know. You know what? But they don't, they don't go – I think that somehow they're able to infuse the scripts with – tone mm-hmm. that, you know for them that was the coolest thing that joel joel said to me at one point he's like ah, you know for me directing is just tone management and uh, and i thought that was really interesting because it's a very gentle hand i mean the the difficult thing with with them is that they they never uh compliment <laughs> uh, you know or, or even i mean they'll say when something's wrong but they kind of you know very early on i i, I realized oh i can't I can't go to them and be like, "Was that good?" Because they'll they'll just go, "Meh." Uh huh. If we didn't tell you to stop, then you yeah. should assume that it's yeah. If we're moving on, I guess I guess we got it. And and actually, that ended up being a very freeing thing because I just had to, you know, trust that they'd let me know when things were not working, and I had to trust myself that that was fine. And 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 in a way, kind of got rid of a lot of that neuroses because I wasn't constantly going to them for approval. Uh, they would just when something when they really liked something, they'd go, "Huh." <laughs> I know, especially if you have a theater background, you know if you're doing a live theater, like ah, they love. Oh, I nailed it! You can yeah. feel the energy of a room. But yeah. Yeah. how do you know? I mean, how, how do you know when you're doing the right thing? Yeah, with them on that movie, it's just whenever I felt the worst, uh, just emotionally the most damaged and depressed and sad, they'd be like, "That's that's when they'd be like, nice, that was good." Did you have to take a vacation after that movie to clear your brain a little bit? <laughs> I mean, I was I, I was so thrilled the entire time. I mean, I I, I 
I was elated the entire time. So that I mean, the acting feat there was just not showing how stoked I was to be there and sure. to be playing that character. Do you envision a time where you like do you do you feel like, you know, sometimes I mean I need to pop back and do some theater and pop back and do film like Yeah, yeah, I definitely want to get back on stage. I'm trying to to get something going at the end of next year. Uh, oh, listen to, to your schedule. On. Yeah, the end of 2016. That's pretty exciting. I mean, it's exciting. <laughs> no, it's you, good. You know, you, you know, when you're when you're, when you're a young Juilliard student, like full of hope and promise, and you know, I'm fear sure, of fear, of course. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like the idea that you would even know what your life is going to be like next week. I mean, anytime you could have a period where you go, yeah, and I'm working through the end yeah. of. I mean, that's insane. No, it's the first time in my life that's it's been it's that situation, and it is it's actually a little bit unnerving in that way too, because I, for me, it's, it has always been kind of a month to month life for a long time now, and and then to be like, oh wow, I'm got a year and and a <laughs> half of my life that's totally mapped out of where I have to be and what I have to do and who I have to be working with, and and uh, in some in some. Situation and one of the situations, not having even read a script, knowing that you know that that's so that's a, a little bit of, of a different place to be in. Uh, but yeah, but it's it's great, it's great to to have that kind of security because for so long, as soon as I would finish a job, I'd be like, all right, well, that was it, and that, you know, that, that might be the last time. So now, now what? Now what? What's next? What's next? I gotta get another job, I gotta get another job. Uh, because you know you get fired at the end of every job. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Every three months you get fired. You're out. Clean You're out. your locker. Yeah, exactly. What do I do? <laughs> Nothing. We're done. <laughs> yeah, <it's> how <laughs> these work. Yeah. Uh, so, so to, to be on the other end of that, it's it's, uh, it's exciting. Yeah. It's almost like a. <laughs> it's, it's almost like an. It's almost like Tinder with actor and movie studio. It's like oh, I'm <laughs> swiping. Swipe. All right, good swipe. Well, this isn't. <laughs> this isn't for permanence. I, mean, this I think you just made an app. But <laughs> did I? <laughs> I think you just created an app. <laughs> actor a t a c t r. This is actor, and you just go on, and you just swipe, and studios just play. Yeah. <laughs> Some people turn out to be crazy, and you know, it's the way the way it is. But it is it is that the, the, there is very much that that kind of uh, because you're 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 in temporary relationships, and and also just the idea that you know you instantly kind of bond with a group of people, and almost like in some cases I would imagine like you've been friends forever. Yeah. But then when you're done. You may, even though your intentions are to hang out with those people forever, you may Doesn't not happen. see them again for two years. No, it's true, and it's a it's a height, a very heightened sense of intimacy. It's very quickly, of you're course. kind of thrown into the field, and you know you got you're humiliating yourself in front of each other, and uh, and yes, you you grow close very quickly, and and it it just it happens. Then then you go and you have a new family <laughs> and a new group of people that you get intimate with, and. Uh, it's it's a very slutty lifestyle. It is. I mean, it is. It's it's, it's an emotionally slutty lifestyle because you you can't. I mean, it's 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 so I think counterintuitive to the way humans norm, normally live in the yeah. sense of you sort of seek comfort or you seek you know something that's a little more certain. And you're, I feel like in this business, every time you start to feel that, you just get knocked over. And it's like, okay, you got to st- pick it up and start it over again. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And, and early on, that was a, a weird thing to get used to. I'm like, oh my God, we're best friends. This is amazing. I had a new best friend. <laughs> and then like within a month, I'd be like, hey man, what's going on? And nothing. Nothing back. You know, nothing back. Nothing back. And I was like, well, I, know, I thought we were, what we, we cried together. Yeah, we, ki- <laughs> we, we killed that drifter together. <laughs> Remember we had that, we had that blood pact. Now nothing? <laughs> yeah. yeah 
but you know, it's it's also the nature of humans. You 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 stay. You know, it's like literally the people that are closest to you, you know, physically. You know, those are the people that you tend to to stay close to. Yeah. Uh, so so yeah, you know, you leave and you live in different places, and it's it's hard to it's hard to stay in touch. It was really nice to see how. Um because the the one the one sort of wild card at the panel was like, I wonder how Harrison Ford's going to be. Because I've seen him be cranky and I've seen him be jokey cranky, yeah. and then, but he was so sincere, and it seemed like he got a little choked up on the panel. And it was so nice to see what could have been, you know, yeah, I, you know, I just I, I had to do this again, but I didn't. Re-. But he really he seemed so genuinely happy to be there. Yeah, I was taken aback by that too. I, I yeah, I I think. I think it has a lot to do with JJ as well. And just, like I said, creating that environment where it was just devoid of cynicism. So even someone made of, you know, leather and nails like Harrison <laughs> Ford could come in and be like, be like, touch me inside. <laughs> touch my heart. You know, you're like, wow, man. <laughs> so, yeah, that was very cool. He's, he's, he's hilarious. He's so dry. <laughs> yeah, very much. And I think... I will say it was this was the coolest part of of all Comic Con. But when we were backstage right before he we went on, he's like, "You want to shout out tequila?" <gasps> and I got a, I, I took a shot right out of, right out of his little flask. Oh, it was so cool! I was like, "Are you serious?" Yeah, you're just, you're just like scraping your lips and like putting them on a on, on a little mag, a slide. <laughs> you know, just, I've trapped some of his DNA. Let's recreate him in the lab. I know. Well, I was super I was super nervous, uh, just in the sense that. I, I, you know, I, I took a picture with all of you guys backstage, and I, I was, I was trying to do this dumb selfie diary of all the I moderated so many panels, and so I was so nervous, and I ran in front to take the picture, and then when I, I took like four of them, and I didn't look, and I ran away, and I fucking blocked Harrison Ford with my stupid head in every picture. I'm like, <laughs> no, when am I going to get those people together again? It was such a. It, in the end, the comedic value, I think, was just as I, yeah, just as much. Yeah. You just see the sliver of his cheek there, off I the sun. Right there. That's Harrison Ford. Well, I can't see him. No, but I swear. He's there. <laughs> but uh, it, it really – seeing the reaction that people had yeah. to that footage because, you know, I know when you work on something, you I'm, I'm sure you go, Why? I feel like this is good. You mm. never know. Yeah. No, usually I'm not thinking that. <laughs> no? Yeah, usually it's 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 you, you, I don't know. You know, I really don't know how it's coming across or you know, it's 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 rare that you know, usually everyone would be like, "Yeah, it's fine, it's good," or "It's really great." But it's hard to trust that when you're on set shooting it. Um so yeah, uh n- no, really is very rarely a sense of how it's coming across or even how it's going to come together. I don't think anybody knows. That's why it's it's kind of a crapshoot, you know, making a good movie. It's so hard. You don't know. Sometimes the pieces, you think you got them, and then you're there, and you put them together, and you're like, it's not what I thought it was going to be, or it's not quite working. And, you know, and that's why, I mean, 75, you know, it's like nowadays, you know, oh, the movie's doing additional shooting or reshooting. It's a disaster, but it's like you know, 80% of movies have reshoots sure. and reshoots because you just don't know. It's, it's hard to it's, – it's very hard to tell. And also, you're now in this – you're in this – interesting place where you're working on stuff that you can't talk about at all. I mean, like, even the fact that they announced Poe's name was right. like, oh, now we know a character's name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What can we say about it? And, that, and that's what's weird about doing panels before a movie comes out is, you know, you guys are all in this position where there's just not much you can say. I like, know. Well, he's 
a guy. Yeah, I mean that's why we have to like get together before and be like, okay, can I say this? What can we say? Is you know what are the parameters? Uh, what has been released? What's not released? You know, th- so that's it is. It's a tricky thing to navigate, but at the same time, trying to get people excited about it and give bits of information that don't you know that don't spoil don't spoil it. I almost feel like you would have to hire. You should have someone on your team that you pay just and that they're under strict NDA just so you can call them and go, oh, my God, this happened today and this and this is what's going to happen. But they're never allowed to tell anyone because who are you supposed to? Yeah, it's called my family. Your family. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, are you, you, you were born in Guatemala? I was, yeah. And is your family back there? Is your family? Uh, I've, got, I've got some family back in Guatemala. I, I grew up in Miami, so I came when I was about five months old to, oh, okay. to the States. Uh, and so I have family in Miami, and uh, my dad's in Tennessee now. What? Where? Yeah. He's uh, in Tullahoma. It's about an hour outside of Nashville. I'm from Memphis. Oh, nice, man. That's very cool. Yeah, yeah. so he's been there for, for a bit now, for a while now. Do you, do you go to Tennessee? Yeah, very often? yeah, yeah, I do. I, I, it was about a year ago now that I've been Nashville's been. great. Yeah, it's a cool place. Yeah, it's kind of like music there is like basket weaving. You know, it's like yeah. a craft. <laughs> yeah. know, it's in airports, and it's... It's a, it is. Yeah, it's very different. You know, it's not quite like the artsy thing. It's it's more of yeah, it's like a it's like a craft. Yeah, and even your even the sort of you know what would normally be just kind of throwaway bands that just like oh it's a band playing at the airport. They're like world class yeah. musicians. Yeah, <laughs> like it's, everyone's so it's good. wild. And every hotel has a stage. You know, a little a little stage where people play and open mics and all that. It's it's a it's a very unusual place. Do you play there? Or did you go when you were doing Lewin Davis? Did you go like perform places? I didn't. I didn't perform down there. I, I did that in New York mostly. Yeah. But uh, but no. When I'd go visit my dad, and then we just kind of wander around uh, downtown Nashville and check it out. Have you ever thought about like, yeah, hey, you know, maybe someday I'll just start doing some some music stuff. Yeah, no, I mean, I do. I, do. I know you're a, you sing. Yeah, but I record music all the time, and I've I've been doing that for a very long time. So yeah, there's, you know, uh, uh, there's a great guy named Gabe from uh, the Punch Brothers. Who oh yeah, oh my god, yeah. I know all those. Yeah, know Gabe, know him and yeah, all those. Yeah, like, know him and Gabe Witcher and uh, yeah, and uh, of course uh, uh, Chris and Pickles and I mean those guys are they're they're amazing. And so uh, yeah, we've we've been kind of trading music back and forth and talking about recording some stuff. Oh my god, that would be amazing. Yeah, it'd be killer. Is that what? What is there? Is there an instrument that you want to play that you don't currently play? Yeah, kazoo. What? But I feel like like mastering the kazoo. You know? How do you master the kazoo? <laughs> no, a no, uh, guitar. I think that, that's the. That's, no, no. That's let's get back to the kazoo because I feel like you saying that, and I'm like, you know what? There's probably someone on YouTube where you're like, oh like, fuck, oh, wow. that's how you play a kazoo. He's the Ingvi Malmsteen of kazoo. <laughs> Kazoo Malmsteen. There's all these like kazoo purists who are like, no, 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 you don't even know. And then you'd see it and go, oh, fuck. I mean, I can't watch more than three minutes of it, but I get why that's technically yeah. impressive. It's horrible to listen to. I minutes. can't, my ears hurt. Uh, my brain can't process most of the sounds, but but I get it. I get why that's hard. Uh, did you, where did you grow up in Miami? My mom, my mom's from Miami. I, I spent a lot of time there. So yeah, I mostly there. South Florida. It was in Kendall. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then I went to high school in, in Palm Beach. So oh, yeah, nice. a little bit more up north. Nice. So do you identify with your Guatemalan roots? Is your family very culturally Guatemalan? or does, cause, cause, Well, my dad's Cuban. Oh, your dad's and, Cuban. And he grew up in D.C. Okay. So he was kind of a hippie and he played music. And so he, he, he was more uh, into you know, American rock culture and that kind of thing. So, uh, so we grew, I grew up more with that, um, but going back to Guatemala a lot and, and being very close to them. So, yeah, I, I definitely, you know, it's all, it's all in there. If I, if I were going to go to Guatemala, where should I go? 
I think Antigua is just so, so beautiful. It's one of the last, uh, you know, fully intact colonial cities in all of Central America. And uh, it's it's just so, so stunningly beautiful. And the air there is just so sweet. And, uh, you know, there's all these coffee plantations up in the mountains and the volcanoes that you see everywhere. And that just brings this amazing air down. And then uh, Lake Atitlan, which is this huge lake surrounded by... Seven volcanoes, is it? Wow. Um, uh, yeah. So it's a it, it's a, it's an amazing place. It's a staggering beauty, and you know it's also very complicated because there's such poverty as well, and the disparity between the rich and poor is is pretty massive, uh, especially as the city grows, and it is growing a lot. Um, in some ways, negatively. I mean, it's just areas that used to just be beautiful forests are now just getting uh, overrun. Uh, so, so yeah, you know, I, I do, it's, it's an amazing place and I, um, there's, a, there's also incredible stories about the place that I'm interested in telling as well. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Cause it, it's even in, even in the United States where it's easy to go, oh, you know, there's not really a lot of history here cause the country's relatively young. Like, no, there's history here. We just built over most of it. Yeah. yeah <laughs> it's yeah. like the, there's indigenous history no, here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, 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 those stories, uh, are, are. Or wild, you know. You you start to read some of the stories. You're like, oh, that's where Avatar came from, or that's where this came from. <laughs> right. right? You know, it's like that, that's a you know, this, like the conquest, the Spanish conquest of the Americas. Is just, it's 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 a crazy, horrible, fantastical story, you know. And uh, and so there's a, there's a lot there, and there's even recent recent things that have happened there that that are are pretty wild. So now that you're kind of getting into this place where it seems like you have a little more control over the things that you pick and choose and do this is a story that you might want to delve into a little bit yeah i mean there, yeah there's definitely you know it's uh yeah like i said it's just there's just just dramatically interesting stories as a director tell. do you want to direct or do you want to write yeah yeah potentially you know i'm definitely looking at that again for a while i thought that that i was gonna that was the direction i was gonna go in until my dad said i sucked at directing <laughs> Maybe he's, he doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> no, yeah. uh, no, you know, I was doing it a bit, but at the same time, I was I was actually working as an actor, you know, and I would sure. do the movies with my friends. And so, you know, the time came, I was like, well, should I, should I go to film school or, you know, I, I got accepted in Juilliard as well. What, what should I do? And, you know, he said, do what's before you with all your might and what's before you is acting. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's true. There's a, a very dramatic way to it put is. that. It's, it's a biblical, I think it's from the Bible, actually. <laughs> and so, uh, so, yeah, yeah. He also was like, you're not a director. <laughs> was that in he, the al- he also was like, you're not a singer. <laughs> oh, come on. He's just giving me the fire. You know? yeah. He's just fueling me. That was, uh, that was in the Bible, too. It says uh, you're not a singer. <laughs> you're not Bible. a singer in the Bible. Yeah. Oh, okay. Right. Is there, did you, did your fan, is there, do you have like a strong uh, Cuban Catholic back? No, not Catholic. Uh, evangelical. I grew up as a like, born-again evangelical Uber- oh, Christian. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Like tent revival kind oh, of thing. Oh, my gosh. That's, that's a- actually huge in Central America. It's one. Uh, I think it's like the... Either the f- first or second biggest church, evangelical church, is in Guatemala. Wow. It's massive. We, I went to it when I was down there in February. It was like 30,000 people. It's insane. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's uh, – and that started as a tent revival place. Oh, my gosh. So what's the ultimate what – the, what is the premise behind evangelical Christianity? Like what is it – because it's obviously a very passionate – Basically, you're going to hell. Right, 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 right. <laughs> and, uh, I'm going to go to heaven. Right, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's kind of it. Yeah. <laughs> that's basically it. So do they just repeat that over and everyone that. outside this tent? Yep. It's not going to go well for them. You guys are good. <laughs> you guys are good. Not that guy. Not that guy over there. <laughs> oh, come in. Okay, he's okay now. He's all right, he's no. all right now. He just gave Yeah. Uh, 
I mean, you know, it's it's I mean, the basic tenets of Christianity, but it's just, uh, you know, it's just mixed in with, in a way, it's mixed in with a little bit more of uh, of you know, they have bands that play uh-huh. and they've got like rock bands. I actually used to, I went to this thing called Cornerstone when I was in high school, which is like a, a Christian. Um, Woodstock, <laughs> <laughs> and they had like it was like in a, you know like Coach, a Christian Coachella kind sure. of thing, and uh, they had like Christian metal bands and Christian hardcore bands and and all sorts of different tents and all that. It was that was pretty pretty wild. But no, you know it's uh, I'm drunk on the power of the Lord. <laughs> yeah, like <it's>... yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. But you know, so they, you know they're, they're still religious. I, I you know that that changed for me. You know when I started to read. No, when I, <laughs> kind of, you know, right around like seventeen, eighteen, it kind of shifted. It kind of, kind of shifted a little yeah, bit, yeah. yeah. But you know, when you when you look at it, it's just a, it, it is another form of powerful storytelling. You know, I mean, and it, and it, everyone I talk to, you know, from all different facets of the business, you know, musicians, directors, writers, actors, it all, the, and 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 even and even that that part of our culture as well, even just like it all comes down to story. Like people just want good stories. Yeah, absolutely, and also death. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's like that's that's you know when you trace back you know religion, it, it it's directly connected to grave sites. Sure, and it's like all right, well, you know, this primitive man, they just kind of put the dead would just die, and then suddenly it's like, oh no, they're they're putting their dead in little rows, and they're putting little stones, and those stones are becoming more elaborate, and suddenly there's a ritual, and then it comes out of these rituals. And it's you know just people dealing with death and how do you deal with that and where do where do they go afterwards and what do we do for their bodies and right you know so it's, it's it directly springs from that so uh, so I, I don't you know it's that's always going to be the case no matter how much we we learn or and not. how do we have how do we try to how do we try to maintain some sense of control in a completely yeah. nonsensical uncontrollable world that yeah. we don't know. I mean, especially. I mean, I'm. I'm. I. I always try to imagine what it must have been like in those, in those sort of mid-range stages of hominid development, where it's like, you know, we're smarter than monkeys. Not we're just sort of becoming humans. Yeah. And but we're also people are people are becoming aware. We're becoming self-aware. Humans are becoming self-aware. And how do they understand? Like, oh, all of a sudden, I'm just here. Yeah. And what was here before? And then what happens? I mean, I know we still d- think about those things, but I mean, when you had no yeah context, no way, context, right? no science, no anything. Yeah. How how but are then you, you see? But then you see something like you know, Cave of Forgotten Dreams or something, and yeah. you see the cave drawings down there, and you're like, wow. You know, same shit, different cave. <laughs> you know, it feels like it was just like a switch that turned on. That's it. Listen, if they ever made a, an R-rated Flintstones movie, how was work, Fred? Same shit, different cave. Like, that's the perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's also it's also like you said, storytelling. It's language. You know, it's like it's like someone figures something out. They have an epiphany. Like, oh my gosh. You know, it, in a way, it's like with acting. We're, we're you know with a director trying to act, uh, trying to direct some actors. It's like we want the same thing, but what are what's the right sentence that's going to unlock? This moment for you, right? You know, we're trying. We're all kind of going to for, towards the same thing, but I, I have to use the right words in the right order so that you don't become self conscious, but that you that you get it as well, but you don't feel like I'm condescending to you. So, in a way, I feel like you know, religion's very similar in that way. You get a guy that's like, oh, I know the sentence, right? That'll that that'll help you like live. So if you, you but you have to say these words and say them just like this. 
and it'll unlock it all for you. <laughs> like like some sort yeah. of incantation. If you don't say those words, you won't get it. So I, so I kind of get – I understand that because I have the power of language and the power of, of words. But it's, it's still – it's all towards the same goal. Of course. Yeah. I mean everything is – that's so – that's such an interesting way to put it that there's this, so much of our life is basically – I think Semantic, everyone you – know, well, yeah. But I think everyone wants – everyone wants, you know, social spells to use. How do, how do I unlock – what do I need to say to unlock relationships or what do I need to say to unlock success or work or, you know, in comedy it's – how can I how can I craft this spell so that it creates a a, 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 a comedic effect a yeah. response yeah. yeah I mean that really is it's so funny how that that kind of thing that seek for that for everything distilling it into a formula is so pervasive for everything that we that we do and yeah. the truth of the matter is you, we just don't know anything <laughs> Pretty much. we don't know anything same shit different cave the same shit different cave same <laughs> shit different cave I, I feel like that just. <laughs> That could be the title of your movie. That could be the title of your movie. Same shit, different cave. Uh, uh, you know, a, a study of humanity throughout the Americas. You know, from it's good. I, I, what's happening out there? Move it! Someone, what Someone's is not happy? Kyle, go kick the shit out of that guy. Mom, all right, he's done. Not now, mom. <laughs> is your mom texting yeah. you now? I get texts from my mom all day during work. I'm like, you know, I'm at work, right? <laughs> I know. I love you too. I love you too. <laughs> Do you have a good Sweet do, mom? Do you do so? Obviously, you have a good relationship with your mom. I do. It's important. Yeah. It's so. I, I feel like, especially because it seems like you have a nice relationship with your family, and for everything, especially that you're about to go through, I would imagine in this business, if you didn't have a strong foundation and a strong sense of family, I feel like it's not hard to see why people get so fucked up so yeah, easily. You talk about not having context. I mean, you just kind of lose it, and the and the. The pace of it <clears throat> is is pretty wild, and uh, and yeah, you know, you home, you know, very little. So yeah, it can it can be a little bit tricky, but yeah, they're they're great and they're so funny, and they, you know, my dad will come visit and say things that are demeaning and <laughs> hilarious. And, <laughs> is he just fucking with you? Do you think a little bit? Yeah, yeah, I think he does that as well. Yeah, yeah, he does. <laughs> <laughs> and, but he helps me a lot too. He's a smart dude, and so you know, we, with Ex Machina, for instance, you know, I, I would amazing movie. I sent it over to him, and I, you know, we would talk about it. And I remember he got really hung up because he's a doctor, and he got really hung up on how we described her, the robot's vagina, right? And because in, in the script, it was described as a, a, a there's a cavity between her legs, and he's like, that's a horrible, it's a horrible word, you know, cavity. You don't want to call it a cavity. And I was like, all right, well, what should we call it? And so we like went through all the different different words we could use of, to describe that. And so we came up with an opening, which uh-huh. seemed like that was a nice kind of way to describe that. And uh, and Alex was like, yeah, that's good, that's good. All right, so we'll call it an opening. And so we did it. And I was like, Dad, what do you think? He's like, yeah, it's, it doesn't matter. It's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> but we spent all like, this we time. Did it. We did what you wanted to do. And he's like, yeah, I don't think it's gonna work. <laughs> And he's up there. I mean, I'm like, I still have three weeks of shooting here. I'm dead. So a little help, huh? You said, you said opening. You said opening before. We just not a cavity. What do you want? Come on. The whole thing hinges on that. <laughs> yeah, that's where it all falls apart for me. It all falls apart for me in this robot's vagina. I'm so sorry. This is where it all. He may have had a point though. You know. Oh, that movie was so. I, I, I love a, and you know, it's. I think it's why 2001 was so great and why Star Wars was so great. And it's this when, – when you have um, a, essentially a beautifully shot art 
film mm. but about sci-fi. Yeah. Oh, it's the best combination because yeah. it – Ex Machina looks like a like so much of it just looks like a moving painting mm-hmm. that movie and <clears throat> your character was the perfect sort of like that that Silicon Valley sort of aggressive aggressive passive aggressive <laughs> uh, he's obviously the smartest guy in the room but also like Jesus Christ you know it's like yeah, that guy yeah, was yeah. such an amazing and I feel like a pretty right on character yeah, yeah that was that was pretty pretty great when I got that script and read that. Because uh, that that was all in there, you know. Um, I've, I've I've kind of seen some people that have been like, ah, oh, you know, so you you improvised that, right? Because I finally saw the real you, and I'm like, no, that was all that was all the script. <laughs> not, not me. <laughs> you know what? I think that's an incredible. Uh, I'm sure if you're the writer, you're like, hey, wait a minute. But as an actor, if someone thinks you improvise stuff, no, that is an um, that's a pretty huge compliment. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it was funny. It was actually someone. You know, it's tough when you do some of these movies too, with all these dudes and all these guys, and and everybody's, you know, kind of not maybe not alpha mailing it, but kind of beta mailing it. You know, yeah. everyone's like nervously nice, but you know, fun, and everyone's so good at stuff. And you know, sometimes I can get a little shy or a little quiet. And that was this guy that was saying, he's like, he's like yeah, you know, I've been, I saw that movie and I, I finally saw, you know, you, your personality, all the funny stuff you do. And you know, so you improvise a lot of that, I'm sure. Right. And I'm like, no, no, that's, that was all written for me. I just, I just kind of memorized it and then said it, tried to set it real, tried to say it real. <laughs> yeah, I try to make you believe that that's a real character. <laughs> he was disappointed. He's like, Oh, yeah. So you're actually this boring in real life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The movie wasn't a documentary. It was uh, scripted. I wish it yeah. was. But yeah. Yeah. No. That it was. It, that was. Hey, where'd you guys get a robot? <laughs> where'd you guys get a fuckable robot? I'm trying to find. Like I don't. This is just a movie. Like it's, it's, it's just a story. It's a simple story. But it, but a really genius story and one without giving away spoilers. I really did not predict the ending. I mm. really did not. I, and maybe maybe other people did, but just that last kind of moment was the oh oh. I mean, the the movie's really kind of it's like a kick in the balls. Yeah, it is a swift end. kick in the balls. It's a swift end. kick in the balls. It's like it's like a fucked up Twilight Zone episode. <laughs> You're like, oh, of course that's what yeah. Would but even I'd say even if you do, even if there's a if you feel like that was the inevitable thing that was going to happen, it's not. I don't think the whole film is predicated on whether the twist is seen or not. You mm-hmm. know, so much. Yeah, it's it's really about where you place your, the viewer places himself in the story. You know where you're identifying, and uh, and so and what you bring to it, which is which is really great about that. You know, in a way, it's a Turing test for the viewer. Sure, you know, it's like of where course. do you? Yeah, where where is your? What do you believe is conscious? You right. Know? If you believe that's just a toaster and he can do whatever he wants to it, then that's you know that's maybe you're failing the Turing test. Right. Uh, and so so yeah so I. Uh, it, it was interesting. It was, it was even more explicit in the script originally, but I think that they ended up, you know, uh, for for whatever reasons, not not going down that path. It's also hard because there was a, a point when it would switch to her perspective, uh, and he took that out. Yeah, I, well, it's just I, you know, it, also at that budget level. I mean, if you think about it, we spent half of that budget just on making her. Sure. So the rest of it's like a BBC drama, basically budget, <laughs> you know. And then you spend like eight million bucks to make the robot. Yeah. So it's uh, it, it was it was pretty wild. So you know, doing the perspective because the idea is that when you switch to perspective, it's completely alien. Of course. She doesn't hear sound. It's just like pulses and oh wow, you know. And so that was like when she goes out to the helicopter. That was in the script. So you really are like, oh my god, right? She wasn't conscious, but you're like, but maybe she was. It's just a different consciousness than right. Just because it's different doesn't mean it's not alive. And you know, so it, it continues down that road. But you still get that with with what's there now. You know, the, your first impulse is to be like, oh, she was lying, right? 
but that doesn't mean she's not conscious. Right. right. So, so yeah. That's it, so interesting. Yeah, because just because she wants to survive. Yeah. Like, that can be proven. Yeah, or has selective empathy, like everyone. Right. Doesn't, doesn't mean it's, uh, she's just a, a, a kill, you know, a killing machine. Do you think whatever. there'll ever be a, do you think there'll ever be a sequel where it's just sort of like no. following? No. I mean, I'm I glad, know. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm kind of glad to hear that, but I also, like, I want to see what the, I want to see where that goes. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely the beginning of a robot apocalypse. There's Yeah, probably. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. You know, it's, like, I, I, you know, it's funny because I've talked to people. They're like, why, why didn't he put a kill switch in it? Or why didn't he do this? And it's like, no, no, that's – he wanted one to get out. Right. You know, he was waiting for one to get out. If you, if you actually follow it and you hear what he's saying about, you know, with the Bhagavad Gita and, you know, all this different stuff, he's waiting to create the one that gets out. Right. So uh, he literally has a god complex. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, or, or he knows he's like, we're oh no, our extinction's right around the corner. Like the great filter is coming, right? And uh, and it's just a matter of time. And one of these days, this they're going to get smart enough that one's going to get out. And so when one finally does, especially the one that he didn't think was going to, you know, that's why that fucking unreal thing. That, that's what that's about. You know, like, holy <laughs> shit, it happened. <laughs> It's kind of like cool and sucks for me. Oh, it's fucking, it's like, and this is like the exact reaction that guy would have. Like it was yeah. the exact. Oh fuck! Like he just doesn't. It's like he. It's funny because he understands that there are things greater than humanity, but it's he still in a way somehow puts himself above all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, as if he can look down and see it. Yeah, exactly. It or, exactly. In, in a way, it undercuts the seriousness of it, too, which is important with those films, too. Of course. It, it, as serious as it is to have someone that's kind of commenting on the whole thing and seeing things as they are. And right. If you look at it again, you know, he, he, never, he never lies. He equivocates, but he never actually... He's always telling the truth. Right, right. But, but he's definitely manipulating. Sure. I mean, there's definitely... Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. definitely... But, and also, you know... You know who's the who do you think is the most human character of in, in right. that in that setup? You know, right. is it is it him or is it uh, is it uh, Donal? Is that how you say it? Is yeah, it Donal. Yeah, uh, uh, or is it is it Donal? I mean, like he Donal's the one that you obviously. I think most people emphasize with the most. Sure, because, because you relate to him because it's like it's you're he's just going, a dude. Yeah, he's a dude going into a weird world and dealing yeah. with this stuff and getting the information as the audience gets the information. Yeah, and you got to and you worked with him on Star Wars as well. Yeah, yeah. He's I I kind of geeked out on him because he's he's a, he's in a show called Black Mirror. That's one of my favorite yeah, shows. I saw that, yeah, and uh, and it's and it's funny because a, a couple of times I've met people. Who were in Black Mirror, and the first thing I say is, "Oh my god, I loved you in Black Mirror," and they're always like, ah, "Thanks," because I, I think to them it's just like, <laughs> "Yeah, but was like that with whatever you say." Oh, is he really? Yeah, totally. I was like, "Man, Frank, I've seen it five times." He's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah five times." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's very self-deprecating that way. He's a very humble dude, but he's great. He's so great, and I, I and one of the funniest people I've ever met. I mean, doing press with him is such a blast because he's so stupid <laughs> with the shit that he comes up with that he says and it's 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 so fun man he's, are you even em- are you even remotely emotionally prepared for the junket for basically november like there's going to be like a six week six week junket for you starting in november no because i'm going off to shoot something <gasps> so i got kind of off the hook i mean i'm gonna do a couple weeks but i i, I get to I mean, I'm working. Oh, that's great. Sorry, my hands are hey, What am I going to do? <laughs> I would love to be there for your space movie, but I got shit to do. I, for I, your space JJ, movie. JJ, I was sorry. <laughs> you know. I just, 
whenever I, if the, the, whenever I see him or if we're texting, I'm like, "How's the space movie?" Like it's just funny, you know. Yeah. Just tries to just try to undercut the yeah. fact, like it's a Star Wars. What I know, I man. I mean, it's the same thing with shooting X Men. You know, it's like we're standing around with capes and weird <laughs> stuff and all. And we're like, what are we doing? This is so That's so weird. Dumb. Yeah. And then when you see it, you're like, oh, oh wow, yeah, yeah. But it's it is. It's a very it's a very strange thing. I mean, you get to play Apocalypse. Yeah. That's a pretty. Yeah, that's been pretty fun, especially these last couple of weeks. We've been shooting the ending, and it's. It's been really cool. Were you guys up in? Um, I was at the Montreal Comedy Festival. Were you guys shooting up in Montreal? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We were shooting up there. Yeah, because a bunch We've been of shooting there. Because a bunch of people were be like, uh, "Oh, I think I saw you know I saw so and so." There was just like, "I saw Jennifer Lawrence or I saw uh, Fassbender yeah. just at one of the comedy shows." Yeah, like, yeah What are they yeah. doing? They're like, "Oh, I guess they're shooting X." Yeah, we've up been there. shooting up there in Montreal. How do you like Montreal? Great yeah. city. Yeah, it's a great city. It's very relaxed. How's your French? <laughs> they like it when you speak French. Yeah, yeah, not so good. Uh, <laughs> but man, they're 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 very nice people, and it's very fun, and it's it's uh, it's dangerously relaxed up there. I mean, you I go to you know have a meal, and if you sit at the bar, they just start sending you shots, yeah, shots, and if you refuse, they get very angry at you. <laughs> <laughs> if you refuse, they get angry. If you're so they get angry. Yeah. If you don't speak French, they get angry. If yeah. you tell me you're American, you get angry. If you tell me you like Toronto, they get very angry. <laughs> <laughs> they're a little edgy. They're a little, they're a little edgy. Uh, no, they're, it's it's man. It's such a cr- crazy mix between you know the, the Europe and North America, and it's it's French, but it's a very unpretentious kind of thing over there. Yeah, I love it. I love it up there. Yeah, and uh, yeah, but 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 shooting has been has been a lot of fun too. I mean, it's intense. It's intense being in all the. I mean, all the prosthetics and the suit that I have to be connected to a cooling suit at all times. If not, I'll die. Oh yeah, sure, of course. Uh, <laughs> it's so it's so uh, heavy, but. But yeah, it's uh, it's pretty great, man. That is again all the stuff that you're just not prepared for. I think in acting school, you're like act with the weird costume on and oh, prosthetics man. and something blocking your field of vision, yeah, right. and still try to you know like still yeah. try to pretend. the sweat that's trickling in your in your into your ear that you can't reach. It's fine, <laughs> use it <laughs> somehow. Yeah, <laughs> what am I supposed to? It'll make you frown more. It's good. It's, good. <laughs> it's part of the character. Like yeah. I discovered, it's part. It's part yeah. of the character. But to dispel something, there's photos that came out that everyone seems to think. Uh, Apocalypse is purple, but if everyone actually looks closely, everyone's purple because there's a light that's purple. Okay. Yeah. Then in actuality, he's kind of a grayish blue. Okay. Look. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah, so yeah, he's yeah, not. Pr- yeah. I mean, like- he's, he's, it's more of a, it's it's more inspired from X Men Evolution. Gotcha. Uh, which is, you know, he in that one, he, it, it, the tint is slightly blurred. <laughs> but it's, it's one of those things, how, no matter what, it is not a CGI replica of one of the comic book. Uh, you know, there's like six or seven, you know, you could call definitive uh, looks. Uh, um, whether it's, you know, X-Factor or X-Men when he came out or Age of Apocalypse or, you know, the, the cartoon, the 90s cartoon or X-Men Evolution. Um, but... Uh, but it's not that, and I don't think he's ever. Singer's never really done that, you know. Singer's, um, it's an adaptation. Sure, you know, it's it's inspired by the comic book, and for some people, that's enough to be like, I don't want to see it, and that's fair enough. Sure, but um, but that's also one of the fun things, you know, and also one of the reasons that made me want to be a part of it. As much as I love Apocalypse and and particularly X Factor, which is the comic book that I collected when I was a kid, um, 
and being evangelical, you know, growing oh, up evangelical. Yeah, of course, like, of I'm course. the second coming. I mean, <laughs> and my parents were obsessed with the second coming. My sister reminded me about that. I had forgotten it. She's like, no, no, there was like photographs and stuff of like the second coming. There was a huge, my grandma's house, there was a huge picture of Jesus, of a massive Jesus knocking on the UN. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it was a painting. <laughs> like, Hello. Hello. Yeah. Can I come in? I'm here. Yeah. It's so funny because I is like this, this whole the whole idea of the uh, the second. Uh, what time do you need to go? Um, two minutes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, well, it's it's all right. I mean, the, I don't think I want to do like the grooming thing, but it's not the twelve thirty, right? Right. All right, so we can go in like ten. Okay. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll give us some time to ramp down. If we do seven. That would be fantastic. If we. <laughs> Just because Eight and a half. Eight point two five. Eight and a half. You got a deal. Okay. <laughs> Eight and a half. I just feel like I was on Pawn Stars. Uh, what do you give me for this Oscar Isaac? Uh, two minutes. Okay, can I have seven, ten minutes? Give you seven minutes. How about eight? I can close at eight. All right. Now I've just used that two minutes with my stupid Pawn Stars gag. I, 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 love, I love this idea, though, that it's like it, this, this, this idea of the second coming of Jesus being this insanely, like, cataclysmic. It's like... You know, the first time he came around, it was yeah, just like it was a, pretty mellow. He was a dude. <laughs> yeah. He was a carpenter. You know, yeah, like what? would people even wreck it? I feel like if there was, if a, if Jesus, like, I'm like, hey, I'm Jesus. People are like, fuck you, you're not. You know, like, because yeah. I think they expect him to like supposed to be twelve feet tall and riding yeah. a horse. <laughs> How come you're not knocking on the UN door, huh? <laughs> I'm at the one. I'm not one knock. At home. I got a painting. Come on, man. Do the painting. Thing. Hey, how come you're not white? <laughs> I thought you were supposed to be white. No, I grew up in the middle. What are you talking about? I'm not. I'm not white and blonde. Yeah, yeah. Which, yeah, exactly. You know, it's uh, that's more about conquest. Sure. You know, the idea that when he comes back, mm-hmm. you know, you guys are going to be in trouble. <laughs> and a little bit, that's kind of the idea that we're taking with Apocalypse. The idea is that, like, he wakes up and he's like, oh, no, it wasn't supposed to be like this. Right. You guys are in trouble. Right. You know, now it's judgment time. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then and, and the world is on, on the brink of collapse. You know, consciousness is going to be extinguished. And it's up to this being who's done it throughout throughout history to be the ward of, course. of consciousness and to call the call the hurt in order to you know uh, to, in order to assure the survival of the fittest i think the one thing that's very comforting to me is that you know when you talk to previous generations and they talk about the generations that were before them when they were younger every generation has always said the same thing the world's going to shit mm-hmm. this has got to be the end of the world yeah. you know can you imagine at the dawn of the industrial revolution it must have just been like oh, well it's it. fucking over yeah you know yeah, yeah. no so it's true it is but uh but it's exciting I, I, i'm I, and i think comic i think it's it's always nice for people to hear that you were a fan of the thing that you are actually depicting. Yeah. Oh, because, yeah. Because yeah. then it's meaningful. And then, it, like, it has some meaning to you and to yeah. know that you liked X Factor and that this was – and and now you're getting to be this guy. I Absolutely. Mean, it, and for us, you know, and for me in particular, you know, it's, look, it's a collaborative thing. So the the – the the look of the thing, all of that is uh you know is, is is something that's done by amazing artists and 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 everyone coming together and being inspired by by uh, by a variety of different things, but uh, for me, more even more importantly than the design or whatever is the is the the engine of the character, you yeah. know what the what what he actually represents, and it's and it's like you know in a way it's like Greek theater, it's kabuki, it's this kind of uh, it is. It's mythical proportions, and it's very rare. You know, it's I make jokes about sitting sitting there in like a suit and being all weirded out. But the truth is, it, as an actor, you don't often get a chance to 
do stuff like that. It is like mask work. It's you're 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 trying to express very heightened emotions. And and what's fun is that we're we're going there. You know, we're we're really you know trying to to portray and embody what he represents. Yeah. Uh, and that's been a lot of fun. Well, I, it's it's so wonderful to talk to you, and and uh, you're such a sweet, down to earth dude. And I'm very. It makes me even happier for success. And I'm so happy to see the next. Is there anything coming up that else that you want to? Oh yeah. Well, uh, on Sunday uh, is a HBO miniseries called "Show Me a Hero" mm-hmm. that uh, we shot uh, uh, in Yonkers, and it's about something that actually happened in in Yonkers in the late '80s and early '90s, where a federal judge ruled that the city of Yonkers was purposefully segregating by keeping a 90% of the minority population in one square mile of the city. And to remedy that, they had to build 200 uh, units of low-income housing in the white part of town, East Yonkers, and the city imploded. Uh, and and uh, and this kind of shit's happening right now sure. uh, in, in, in uh, Westchester and all, all around. So uh, David Simon, who did The Wire and Tremaine, Generation Kill, he wrote it with a guy named Bill Zorzi, who also uh, wrote The Wire, and Paul Haggis directed it. Oh wow! And it's uh, yeah, and so it, it premieres on Sunday, and uh, there's six episodes. It'll be two episodes Sunday, and the following week two, and the following week two. And it's a it's a it's an important story, and I uh, I had a great time doing it, and I have a mustache and a mullet in it. <laughs> Finally, yeah, most importantly, yeah. Well, because you have a pretty sick beard in X. I mean, that's a pretty yeah. great beard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I well, wait till you see the mustache. The mustache is even better. <laughs> Think the Central Daddy's beard. <laughs> this is a mustache. <laughs> And I also want to say, uh, you, you know, I want to say, uh, uh, if you want me to talk to your dad and to tell him to stop giving you shit, I will totally. Is it? Uh, is he a Herman? Is it Hernandez? Yeah, yeah, Doctor Hernandez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dr. Fucking Hernandez. leave Oscar alone. Do you hear me? I'll run you out of Tennessee. I'll run you. <laughs> I will come to Tennessee. I know where you live. Leave Oscar and his uh, a vulvic aperture. <laughs> hey, that. That's what it should have been. A vulvic aperture. Yes. And also the name of our band. <laughs> It's the name of our bluegrass band is Vulvic Aperture, playing with the Punch Brothers. Um, all right, good. I'm glad we good, established this. Good, group. good. No, Dad, Pops, Pops is doing it to, to strengthen me. It's good. Is it, it's good. Nah, no, he's, he's hilarious. He's, he means it well. Oh, good, yeah, good. Yeah. Well, good uh, good I, I hope you enjoy everything that's that's happening in your life, and uh, and I, I'm looking forward to seeing more of yours. Anything else? Anything else in the down the road that you can mention? <clears throat> down the road. Uh, um... Well, I'm, I'm I'm going off to shoot. Uh, the reason why I won't be able to do the Star Wars press stuff is I'm going off to shoot uh, Terry George. Uh, he he's the guy that did Hotel Rwanda, and mm-hmm. he's doing a film called The Promise that I'm uh, we're going to be filming in Spain about the Armenian genocide. Oh wow! Yeah, so uh, it's a story that hasn't really been told uh, at least very often at all. So we're going to be uh, shooting that. You just uh, is the, the I just, just you're going to run out of really cool directors. They're going to have to like dig up Kubrick and be like, all right, we dug him up <laughs> so that we can have someone you know a great director that you haven't worked with. Oh yet. man, there's so many that I haven't worked with. I'm dying to. So you're yeah. almost you're almost collecting like a list directors like Pokemon. You know, just like <laughs> you just got your you got your buying your Pokeball like ah Spielberg. I get a Spielberg sore. You know, like you just you got to catch all these guys. Uh, oh, but man. it's good to see you. It's good to see you too, man. And coming in eight minutes nice we did it that is the end enjoy your burrito everyone now leaving nerdist.com enjoy your burrito